0: Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Solidarity Breakfast,
1: uh, as, uh, also known as Green Left Radio on Friday. Oh no, I got the wrong <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> this is a public public holiday, right? So my brain yes, is not kicked in yet. Yes, in, yes
1: indeed. Well, yes. thanks, Dennis. We're, so we are here, here today on this excellent, beautiful, warm Easter morning here in uh, in, in Fitzroy, and. Um, Despite the despite despite the fact that well most uh, oh, mo, oh, most quadra, uh, most comrades are having a well finally having a e- either either a very nice uh, uh, re- uh, relaxing day to, day uh, day today um, while other uh, us here at least ci <laughs> have have decided um, to still hold our week- our weekly show filled with the latest mm-hmm. latest news more uh, more more insights and. Uh, political analysis into, into what's happening in Australia.
0: <laughs> it's in my apologies. I got my brain in the wrong s- sphere, I think. <laughs> the Saturday or Friday is what happens when you have a public holiday on a yes. Friday and I'm used to having Sorry, I did breakfast on Saturday, Saturday. Oh, my brain's confused. I had to get up in the morning and run and even have breakfast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now anyway, you need both. Of all it. those
0: people who are relaxing, here we are working hard to try and keep your morning entertained. Yes, yes. Well, I think we have to acknowledge <laughs> that
1: uh, uh, the other group of people who are working uh, hard today are all the, uh, all the workers who decided to work on their, uh, yes. on their Easter break. So. And I
0: hope they get getting a penalty rates.
1: Penalty rates, yes, exactly indeed. So. Uh, yes,
0: it's, it's um, a tough fight out there, isn't it? And yes. all those People like nurses and emergency workers and all those people who've got to get up and go to work, and um, it's it's just Mm. you know um, only um, fair for us to mention them for today and also on Mondays, which is another public holiday.
1: Yes, it is. Well, yes, the the entire weekend. So if you do, uh, so if any listeners happen to uh, uh, stop by a restaurant or a shop or um, uh, or or any other retail Retail, place. Always uh, uh, give, give give a bit of a, give a, give, a, give a bit of a thanks to the workers for working there on the uh, on the day, and, and give uh,
0: them a bit of a tip if you can.
1: Yes, and also a- encourage time them, time encourage them, encourage them to uh, join up with, with the union if they haven't uh, yet, and and be nice
0: to them, yeah. smile, say thank you. All yeah. the simple things we do every day without exactly you know even thinking about it, and um. Anyway, ho- hope all of you have a great weekend, but let's start this weekend off with a bit of news from uh, the alternative press.
1: Yes, uh, green, uh, green, green Left Weekly. So, I'm
0: just thinking maybe we should talk about that March, Palm Sunday March a little bit, because it yes. was interesting, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, <coughs> since it's it's become it's become uh, quite a bit of a uh, tradition of the refugee rights movement in the last uh, several years. Yes. And even though it is led by uh, organi- from what it's an organized and led mostly by religious organizations, it still includes a very strong uh, s- uh, well social movement com- uh, component to it. Yes. So all the all of the refugee activist groups are always part of it and always. Uh, uh, up, uh, ma- ma- make up a uh, uh, kind, of, kind of substantial uh, part of the, so well, not just the speakers, but you know, the people who are uh, marching there as well. And in Melbourne, uh, the Palm Sunday uh, rally was, um, I think it um, amounted to about, what I think it was it, 5,000, 6,000? No, 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 no 15,000. 15, yeah. yes, yes. So, it's so
0: that was a good turnout. Could have been yes. better, but that was good. Regardless. Yeah, we had all sorts of people. There There the several unions there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and lots of um, churches and social groups and NGOs and refugee supporting groups, whatever they are, they were all there. It was wonderful to see that many people showing solidarity and support for the refugees. And it also is a statement against a government that has, according to Amnesty International, draconian laws against refugees and they have completely been breach of the Human Rights Convention passed by the UN I interviewed um, Graham Tom last week or the week before and and that's the, the exact words he used and Amnesty International is certainly taking up the fight against um, such cruelty to human mm-hmm. beings. It's just wicked. All right. Let's move on to the news. What's in the news, Dennis?
1: Um, right, well, I thought we'd, start, we'd actually start off with some news from the New South Wales. And that's the, with regards to the, anti- the anti-protest laws, which, w- which have been uh, levied against, uh, well, targeted, I would say targeted, uh, targeting the, uh, the anti-CSG hmm. uh, uh, rallies. So this coal
0: seam gas seems to have created quite a radical group of people, and yes, they're yes, pretty indeed. fierce in, in, in uh, protesting against it, and the government's so determined to go ahead with that.
1: Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, and in particular, actually, it's uh, uh, the New South was Aboriginal regional activist, and the Senate candidate for Social Alliance uh, team in federal elections, Ken Canning. It's actually co- is actually quoted here in the in the article about about the anti-protest laws. This is a law to protect the rich. We will need to break these laws to protect our democratic rights. And he was uh, was actually uh, addressing the protesters who had occupied the rural State Parliament following uh, for, uh, following a rally called by the uh, uh, called by some of the Greens against the state government's new laws attacking the right to protest. And we are and we are going to hear from Ken Canning at eight o'clock. Later, we're
0: going to interview later him, later and he is fiery. He's
1: exactly. very good. <laughs> exactly. So I'll uh, I'll, li- I'll leave the the bigger part, part yes. of the story for Ken to tell us later on. Yes. Um. <coughs> uh. But uh, it's I think it's uh. uh if we're going to judge where the anti-protest laws are going to end up eventually, I think uh, Victoria would be a good player. It would be a good uh, sort of uh, indicator of that so anti-protest laws were. Uh, sort of introduced, introduced by, what was his face? <laughs> uh, before, uh, before Daniel Andrews. Uh, Naphtine, or, and, and Bayou. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, all those people. People know. Yeah, it's yeah, like no,
1: you know, nobody. Uh, Previ-
0: previous, Labour governments, really.
1: Uh, well, pre- Previous Liberal government, the, 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 the Liberal. liberal the Labour yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it's sort of, it, it just, just kind of, but it really sort of proved just how, well, was, was, wasn't wasn't, it wasn't just sort of just useless, but it also proved to be so unpopular. It became the government, the, the government's undoing That's right. as well.
0: So the thing is, you cannot, you know, there is also, also already an enormous lack of democracy. This is getting to be very draconian, where you ban freedom of association. Yes. They have made it very hard for unions lately with the laws... And that is actually in breach of a lot of the conventions around the world in ILO and even the UN. UN you know, actually says that um, countries where unions, in other words, freedom of association is the norm, have better human rights records mm-hmm. than countries where there are no unions and no freedom of association. So that's the, the cutting edge we are coming to. In other words, this government is sliding slowly but surely into um, a state where you are losing that freedom of little, the very little freedom of association we have is getting worse and worse and worse. And this, I think, is, is heading towards a state where you are preparing for almost a police state. That's, that's how it seems to me. You know, mm. you, you're know, you giving police more powers. You're putting more money into the pockets of the police. Yes. And you're increasing your defense budget by, what, 50% almost? Wow. And um, now you have these laws coming. There seems to be a trend here, which is becoming mm. clearer and more draconian. And it's of real concern to me as to the fact that they've started in New South Wales. Um, the federal elections are coming up. And maybe... A possible double dissolution. Well, not possible, <laughs> probable, actually. You reckon? Okay.
1: I'd, I'd, I'd say by July, by July 2nd. Um. It's
0: interesting because if they dissolve both houses, the, the thing is that the senators who um, all will be you know, gotten rid of and you'll mm-hmm. like them, it becomes a proportional representation situation mm. where they only have to have, a 7.7% vote to get into a Senate position. So that is advantages for people and groups who are seriously interested in expressing uh, their views for whichever community they represent. So it's while it sounds awful, in a way, it could be advantages, but I'm sure there are lots of disadvantages too. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Mm. Um, One way I'm hoping it would be good to have it Another way, I'm thinking people, done, people don't have time to prepare if such a change yes yeah if, if if these cross benches and even the greens for that matter and the ALP allow the ABCT legislation to pass. They still have to face election in September. They'll be judged by how they vote.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the elections are coming with this, are coming this year. July this or September, either July one. July, September. Yeah. So I seriously, doubt that um, I el- that the early election won't be called.
0: Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I have, I have my. Um, Doubts because the the crossbenchers, if they vote, they lose their seat.
1: Yeah, but if they if they do vote, there's no way they they they, they don't get say, you know well mm, they don't get scrutinised yes, the, but rest of the that's time that true, they're
0: there. But still, they still have four years left in Senate, which means that's their money flowing in. Mm-hmm. It depends on where their heart and their, and their brain lies in terms of how they're going to manage the situation. So it's going to be like watch the space. In the next, what, up to the 18th of April when they actually recall Parliament? Because mm-hmm. the turn was already prepared the stage for double d- dissolution. Yes. He's gone to the governor, he's moved the, the, uh, recall, the date when they recall Parliament. Yes. Um, so he's done all the basic steps you need, and you have to have a certain number of weeks before you, uh, Parliament sits in when you actually call the, um, the elections and so on. So he's got all the days lined up. And everybody is saying, as you said, um, probable rather than possible, mm-hmm. um, or maybe rather. So it'll be interesting to watch what they do. Yes. So, yes. what else is news? Yes.
1: Um, well. Um I think just the other just the other day we've seen uh, another terror attack well, in, in yes, Europe in, in Brussels, yes. unfortunately.
0: And they blame all the Muslims in the world. Yes, yes, in- yes of well, course. Yes, yes
1: indeed. While well, while well, um, well, the European left has responded with the message of blaming hate and not Islam, mm. the grassroots groups across uh, Europe are warning against coming to misguided and bigoted speech in the wake of the latest terrorist atrocity in Belgium. You know what?
0: You know what really um, makes me really angry. I was going to swear there, and I, I shouldn't swear on radio. But you know, it's, it's oh, anyway really. But it, it really irks me when you say when you think that you know that a few hundred people killed, and they are terrorists. Yes. And they put a label of Islam on it because yes. those people claim to be uh, Islam, but the, the, the basic Islamic community absolutely denies that these guys are in any shape or form Muslim, right? Exactly. At the same time, you compare that to the KKK in the U.S., they have killed thousands and thousands and thousands of black people, and they claim to be Christians. Yes. I don't see the same analysis of religion and this violence connected, and say, well, Christianity then is... A terrorist or racist or, or you know extreme terrorist organization in the U.S., mm. but you see the association with this current. It's all this, you know, hyped up, emotional stuff, and people get caught up in it. It's mm. easy to do that because when you see children dying, you see people being attacked, and you see blood flowing, people crying on the screens. It really um, has a huge impact on you. Yes. You know, that it really bugs me, then.
1: Well, it's not just that, but also it's the fact that it's, um, uh, th- about 99% of the victims of ISIS are Muslims.
0: That's right. That's right. That's what people don't seem to realize.
1: Yes, yes, uh, exactly. And um, I think what's, also, um, um, uh, what's what, 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 what also... Also, what's more important is that... Um, uh, people can also say that you know uh, Muslims or Muslim or, Islam or, Islam or Muslim organizations should do more to condemn the oh, uh, terror attacks. That well, w- gets what well, what actually happened is that basically almost hours or, or like I think just uh, just about 12 or 12 hours or so after the after the Brussels terror attack, they actually one of the one of the first org- organizations in the world to condemn the Brussels uh, hmm. attacks and actually uh, was Hezbollah. Yep. that 's yeah.
0: right that was really good wasn 't yeah. it but they came out and you know it 's almost like they're performing a duty to please this capitalist or the, the ruling class who is constantly blaming the yes. uh, Muslims yes. which is great that, i mean they yeah, did for, Yeah, yeah the first
1: yeah, it was around the first organization and also one of the organizations that, that has actually been fighting ISIS for the last well, the last several years in syria mm. yeah, there's, mm. uh, there as well and,
0: and the, the, the other thing also that really you know, frustrates me uh, intensely is the fact that George Pell and the paraphilia uh, mm-hmm. phenomena um, that's happened and people are aware of it, it's been on television, but nobody then says Catholicism is related to paraphilia as such. They they don't come across with with like sweeping statements, which is not very intelligent. But they do that with Islam. That's yes, right. That logic really fails me. And it's the way the media drives it and the way political, some political leaders use it to divide the people. Mm. So while the Muslims are, are fighting the terrorists, uh, uh, terrorists by themselves, they ignore it. But they divide people along religious lines. Um, so they're too busy fighting each other to worry about what they're doing in parliament. Um, and while they're making deals with the bosses and yes. that, Anyway All right I think that's enough uh,
1: for, for now we'll, we'll come back to the news we'll later We'll come on. back
0: to news later But we're <coughs> going to have a short break And announcement And then we'll come back to talk about Latin America And your wonderful trip to That area of the world
1: Yes We're still talking about it uh, you know, Almost a month after I came back
0: No But there's so much happening But <laughs> well, let's have this
2: break <laughs> You are listening to Greenleft Radio on the Friday Morning Breakfast Show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio 855 AM Digital and streaming live on 3CR.org.au. Greenleft Radio is brought to you by the Greenleft Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Greenleft Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au. Or call one eight hundred six three four two zero six. For new subscribers, it's only ten dollars for the first seven issues.
0: Okay, welcome back. And Dennis, mm. you talked about Bolivia last time.
1: Yes. Uh, so, sorry, just before we uh, get into the Latin American stuff, the last item we talked about was the, sort of the, the growing Islamophobia in the wake of the Brussels terror attacks. And I think I thought it was actually a good time to promote the upcoming. Yes to Refugees No To Islamophobia Rally it's come, uh, t- Sounds t- good that will, be, or that will be happening on Sunday, April the 3rd at 2pm mm-hmm. On Federation Square here in Melbourne So it's organized by a campaign against racism and fascism mm-hmm. And our aim is to make Federation Square a racist and fascist free zone So yes. come along, uh, as I said, Sunday, 3rd of April, 2pm uh, on Federation Square
0: That'd be literally next Sunday, wouldn't it? That's correct. Yes, yeah, Sunday week. Sunday week. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Yes. You talked about Bolivia last time, and yes. different programs. You've talked about different countries, but we yes. haven't covered um, Chile and. Ecuador.
1: Ecuador, yes, yes, and also, and, and also, I thought it, was, it would be important also to mention Brazil at the end. That's even though I didn't, I was, i did not visit Brazil, but it was, it's quite a, it's quite a hot topic at the moment. Right. <coughs>
0: let's go for the hot topic. All right. Or did you? Wh- wh- let's go for the hot topic. Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Let's right.
1: go. Well. Um, What's happening there? Uh, the, uh, I, th- I think the last couple, of, uh, the last couple of uh, months, we have actually seen a uh, sort of a mounting. Um, well, uh, well a, a, a huge increase in the number of uh, right-wing protests uh, in any country, especially last, especially last weekend. Last weekend, there was about there was about uh, two million right-wing protests across the country, design, uh, you know, demanding the resignation of the uh, Brazilian government headed by Dilma Rousseff, of the um, who heads a coalition government inclu- that includes the Workers Party and um, All of this is kind of a result of some um, very long-running crises, not just in the Brazilian government, but Mm. inside Workers' Party of Brazil uh, itself. Some of of these include corruption scandals, uh, uh, which which involve the Brazilian state oil company, the Mm Petrobras, and the you know the the assigning of of uh, state contracts to private private businesses who have connections within within uh, within the government never ends, does it? That's true. Um, and uh, this is the crisis that kind of has kind of been affecting all, all the political parties, all the major political political parties in Brazil. But the the opposition, the right wing opposition in Brazil, is specifically targeting uh, Dilma Rousseff and the work, and the Workers Party as a sort of as a means of uh, or as means of uh, implementing either. Uh, Limiting a coup d'etat either through uh, either, either by directly overthrowing her government or the second, the second role which they seem to prefer more and which is, I think, which is actually taking place right now is the judicial coup. So okay. So the Brazilian Supreme, uh, actually have, uh, uh, Dilma Rousseff indicted in the Supreme Court of Brazil, uh, which is, I would say, is quite conservative on its own, in its own, uh, And what's the right? coup,
0: what's the what's judicial coup about?
1: um basically it is uh, it is me- it, well it is it is targeting Dilma Rousseff and also and also the former president of Brazil Lula Lula da Silva in the um uh in, attemp- in in basically being connected well if the if the supreme court uh, um, sort of finds finds them finds them guilty of being connected to to the corruption cases in Petrobras and it gives them the um, the ability or the opportunity to uh, dismiss the government, dissolve basically to dissolve the government and uh, call the new elections. But um, the Supreme Court has already indicated that both Lula and Dilma are actually free free of the charges with regards to the to Petrobras with mm. regards to the. State oil company um, uh, corruption, corruption, corruption yeah. crisis, yeah. But then there, there, there are several other other charges that which are still uh, standing, and there are still there, are still a few, several members of the Brazilian government which are, who are sorry, who are going to be, who are sort of, uh, who are being charged uh, with corruption. At the same time, uh, sort of on the street level, on the street level, the. Uh, Well, well there have been sort of been mass mass, uh, protests against um, against Dilma being organized by the right wing parties, Um, uh, and also and also by uh, some of the uh, some of the nation's biggest media uh, uh, corporations as well. There's also been counter demonstrations which have been organized by workers' party supporters, the landless peasants uh, movement, the MST, uh, the trade unions, and others.
0: So, would you classify them as the the left? Or just people who are protesting.
1: I would say that well, those who support well, those who support Dilma Rousseff's government, they they, have, they do come from organisations which have traditionally aligned themselves with, with the left. But I think what we un, what we need to understand in the case of Brazil is that last well, I would I would say that um, the last seven years or so, last t- seven to ten years, the the governments that were led by Lula de Silva and by and by Dilma Rousseff, uh, while they did implement some social democratic um, measures and they also increased uh, social spending and uh, you know they've uh, promoted uh, Latin American solidarity and Latin American uh, integration, the government has still uh, has uh, the government and the Brazilian state remained very much, very much remained very much neoliberal. Yep. Uh, so the. Uh,
0: so, what about the left in Brazil? Is there a f- uh, uh, any form of left political party? workers well, party
1: is supposed to be the left. Supposed to be the left. Yeah, yep. like, traditionally, like uh, before before the election of Lula de Silva in two thousand and two, if I uh, if I recall correctly. The Workers Party of Brazil was considered to be the leading force of the left okay. in Latin America. Not even, like you know, for for a very long time in the 90s and and the 80s. Would that be like the ALP here? No, 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 no. It's no. much more left. Far, it was far more left okay. the, than than the ALP. It, now you could say they are the ALP, but back in those days, they weren't. They no, no, they weren't. They were, um, well, there is hardly. Though I'd say they were more like they were more like Syriza. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, of Greece, mm. and ironically, mm. and, and ironically now they also seem to have sold out most of their original oh, principles. God, is sad. Yes. Um, so, so, so there's this twin crisis, uh, twin political crisis happening in Brazil, mm. where simultaneously have the uh, uh, the right wing and the biggest corporations trying to overthrow the government. Yep. Um, while the while the left is while, while the left is in a really bad position since it's it is basically forced to defend this very government mm. which has not uh, really attempted to dismantle neoliberalism you know let alone capitalism mm. but which itself does not have an alternative right. that is a very difficult position that yes it is in. frustrating yeah. Um, with regards to uh, with regards to Chile, I was um, <coughs> uh, when I vis- when I visited the country, I, I got a chance to speak with the with some of the some of the uh, comrades from the student movement mm-hmm. and the um, and 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 the com- and the communist party of uh, of Chile as well as the uh, the organization called the Guevarist Left mm-hmm. of, um, mm. uh, of 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 Chile. And this is, uh, the situation in Chile is, a, I, would, I would say, a bit similar to the one in in Brazil, mm-hmm. where you actually you have a a government where comp- a, a coalition government that's co- comprised of the the socialist party of uh, of Chile, the communist party, uh, sort of some of the, sort of the center. Center, center. I uh, left, uh, left, uh, left, left, uh, left. Right. Uh, left, left yeah, organizations, yeah, I Yes.
0: Used about center, this or center, that. Yes. Yes. Which well, where the center? here. You <laughs> can be. Yeah, well, it's the extreme center, really.
1: Um,
3: uh,
0: yeah. uh, well,
1: yes, and where the, the government was actually elected on the promises of labor reform, education reform, constitutional reform, yep. and you know a, lum- a number of other sort of promises, but which has <sighs> which. Uh, as well, found itself of not being able to deliver. Yeah, partially, yeah. partially because of the, I would say, the overwhelming power of the uh, Chilean oligarchy and Chilean uh, private business, but also, but also because of its own uh, contradictions. And yeah, it's
0: the history of uh, of, of um, Pinochet, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and
1: it has, uh, it is enduring uh, to this day. Hmm. Um, I think a great example in this case would be. Um, the Chilean constitution, which was implemented in, um, which was implemented uh, in 1978, when, which is still there. Yeah. It has not been amended or changed in, in any way since then. And, uh, it's, like, uh, okay, some of the, uh, like, it's the most neoliberal constitution you can think of. Mm. That, you know, it doesn't, is. is uh, it doesn't s- specify, like you know, the education as a human right, or like mm. what is a human right, or you know, what you know, freedom of, of assembly, or association, or, or, or association, or speech, anything like that. None of that is uh, is there. Mm. And one of the, um, I'll say, one of the pillars of the Chilean government that's been elected recently, or has so been elected just a couple of years ago, has actually been to change the constitution. Mm. But that in itself is a mo- is a mammoth task because. It uh, you know to change the constitution you re- you require a two thirds majority oh, in the that's massive in the Chilean yeah lo- in the Chilean lower house right. which is incredibly hard to achieve mm. um, and which also requires you well which well, it basically re- requires a grand coalition of you know, the left parties and some right wing parties to change it and uh, uh, sort of finally well fi- well finally dismantle the biggest the biggest, uh, um, how is it? Well, the, the biggest problem, the, big, the biggest, the biggest problem that uh, Pinochet left over.
0: Yes, that is what a legacy, what a legacy. It's almost like Hitler's legacy. Mm. But let's move on to um, Ecuador, that you were very keen to talk
1: about. Yes, yes, I think I think I might have to uh, extend it over a couple of programs there.
0: <laughs> You've got. A good five ten minutes ago.
1: Okay. Ecuador is a, is is also I think a very a curious a curious case among the um, among the left in Latin America. Yeah. Um, um. Sort of, Ecuador joined the pink tide uh, in uh, in uh, 2006 when it elected the a uh, left wing economists by the name of uh, Rafael Correa to mm-hmm. lead uh, to lead the government of change. Mm-hmm. And within two ye- within within three years. First three years, Ecuador achieved some amazing. Which year was this? 2006. Okay. 2006, and within three years, it has achieved some tremendous uh, results. Like? Uh, well, f- uh, first of all, uh, Ecuador changed its constitution to yep. greatly uh, to greatly expand the uh, just number of articles covering uh, topics such as indigenous rights, recognition of the indigenous nations in, uh, in Ecuador, and mm-hmm. the indigenous indigenous culture, language, and uh, cust- uh, customs and Ownership yep. of the, of the, well, of that's the land. That's
0: radical. Australia got to look at that.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> well, you know... I, I, I we th- won't go there. Sometimes then. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wonder <laughs> which, uh, which constitution is worse, Australian or Chilean. Yes. Um, <coughs> um, yeah, and ap- uh, apart from that, you know, in Ecuador, there's been... The, uh, One thing I think we uh, I think one thing we need to remember is that Ecuador does not have its own currency. Mm -hmm. Instead, uses the U.S. dollar to trade for everything in in the internal economy and the external one Mm. as well. And and the country itself has been greatly indebted indebted to the IMF and other uh, international vulture funds Mm -hmm. uh, during the neoliberal era before Korea. Yep. But Rifle okay. Korea managed, uh, uh, so the, but the country managed to renegotiate its debt hmm. with the, with the fund and managed to get rid of, I think it was about three billion dollars. Right. But did, worth
0: they, of debt. did they, did they, um, implement austerity measures in the process? No. That's interesting. How did they do
1: it? Oh, they, well, they, they nationalized, well, they didn't, uh, they never, they didn't nationalize the oil industry, but rather, rather they introduced a very effective and a very, um, Substantial tax on the oil profits. I think the which is which is basically a super profits tax on the oil on the petroleum industry there, of about 90%. Fantastic. Yes, and which has been implemented such a great way that you know that uh, tax revenues actually uh, well uh, not not only helped helped sort of to relieve the debt burden, but also helped to finance a huge a huge increase in the social spending. See, that's interesting,
0: isn't it? Despite the fact they've put such a massive tax on it. The oil companies didn't pack up and leave. They stayed. That's because correct. That, that, that tells you the uh, incredible amount of profit they would have been making before that mm. tax was introduced. Absolutely. So that's, that's a prime example of what we should be doing here. Yeah. You know, but anyway, keep going. Sorry. I just, I just, uh, it's a, why don't they do it here?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because here, here there'll be a coup. <laughs> I but also, wrong, uh, yeah. and so and so would be well. It would also be in we Ecuador. We did have a coup, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. But I would say the same. Absolutely, the same thing can happen in Ecuador, except that in Ecuador there's there's also a huge social movement mm. that's, that's backing the government Which as is well. what you need. People on the ground. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. In uh, in Ecuador, that movement goes by the name of the Citizens' Revolution.
0: Fantastic. Sounds which, good.
1: Yes. Which has. Uh, uh, which I say I say is, uh, it was pretty broadly comprised of uh, some of uh, the, the urban mi- of the the urban workers movement, the trade unions, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, some of some of the indigenous movements, not not all, but yep. uh, some of them, uh, the uh, the, uh, the rural workers and the rural sort of uh, organizations, the middle class, and. Um, the supporters of Rafael Correa mm-hmm. sort of all sort of within this process of change and democratisation of uh, of the country mm-hmm. economic democratisation social and political yeah as um as well so, um i think that um it, th- I, would say, I would say that the economic transformation of Ecuador has not been as radical as, say, in Venezuela or in Bolivia. Yep. It has remained very much along but the but old. But that
0: sounds magical to me. <laughs> compared yes. to the industry. Oh, my God, how wonderful. You know?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. You know, yeah. even sort uh, even, even of a, a – I would say a classic social democratic con- government such as the one in Ecuador yeah. is implementing such um, – has actually implemented a lot of – that's amazing. Radical. Yeah. yeah for a
0: country, one of the southern countries, one of those poorer nations, you know, and you have this this um, global business going there to try and bully them, really. Yes. And now they've turned that around and said, okay, you want to come here, you want to colonize us, you bloody pay for it. Exactly. Said, yes. <laughs>
1: and good. one more thing, yes, one <laughs> more thing I forgot to mention. Uh, another very important thing that Rafael Correa in, in, in implemented in the, in the country was actually uh, well, I was actually kicking out the Yankees. So the, Ameri- the United States had a military base in Ecuador. Mm. Um.
0: Unlike our base in Darwin and, yes, and elsewhere, yes, we want <laughs> the, yes, pine, so the inter- pine Gap and all that shit. Yeah, Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Should <have said> that. <laughs> it is Easter. <laughs> I'm uh. sorry, but I'm not a Christian, so that's my excuse. So <laughs> yes, no, neither. So in, in, 2009,
1: sorry, in 2009, the Ecuadorian government uh, basically forced the United States government to abandon its military base. Mm. There. And uh, Ecuador, um, uh, Rafael Correa famously said, United States would be allowed to have a base in Ecuador when Ecuador can have a base in Florida.
0: Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair exchange. <laughs> yes. Now, what I want to also um, touch on, um, Dennis, is that you're actually speaking at a conference in May. Yes. In Sydney. Tell us about that.
1: I'll be speaking on the session so far. So far, the confirmed sessions I'll be speaking on is session on Bolivia. Yep. So I will be discussing the referendum <coughs> That took place there, as well as yeah. sort of the broader the, the current state the current state of the uh, of the social movements yes. struggle there following, yes. following the defeat in the in the, in the referendum. Um, so and
0: the, in the, this conference have been held in Sydney in May, 13 to 15, um, 13 and we've got some fantastic um, international Absolutely. guest speaking. It's Michael Lubowitz, um, Marta Hanika. both yes. amazingly. Uh, Well-known mm, mm, left-wing Marxist um, analyst of Latin America, yeah, socialism.
1: Yeah, particularly Martha Honecker, I, think, I think she's um, she's going to be the pioneer of the, uh, the theories on socialism of the 21st century.
3: Mm. Uh,
0: Sounds uh, absolutely great. And you've got yes. people like um, Sarah Eliezer from Pakistan, who's a journalist, but is an amazing, enthusiastic, bubbly. A young woman who's coming down, um, to talk about the women's movement and, and the workers', um, struggles in, in Pakistan. We also have Radhika Mainan from India, who's, um, a, another a female activist from India who mm. works amongst rural workers, especially women in India. Mm. And we have Suresh Kumar from Malaysia. And that's interesting. In Malaysia, for example, recently they have, um, shut down the pub, the Socialist Party of Malaysia's, Meetings
1: again, yes,
0: <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> I think that the heat is on, and Najib um, Razak, the current prime minister. So this is this is again the the freedom of speech being completely shut down in Absolutely. another country close to to one of the friends of Australia. Yes. And who are the other speakers? There's um, uh, Vanessa Herman from Sydney University, whose yes. exp- whose expertise is in the Indonesian, <coughs> excuse me, um, area. So she looks like a it's sure to be a fantastic conference. Absolutely. So those who can um, <clears throat> spare the time, it's and, and who are interested, it's in Sydney University, University of Technology, 13th to the 15th of um, May. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, shall we move on to a bit more Green Left Weekly news?
1: Uh yes, yeah, yes, yes. Alternative
0: indeed. news rather.
1: Yes, uh, yes indeed. Sorry, just uh That's okay. Give me a, give me a second here.
0: Yeah, he's this is a young man who's fiddling with his computer his 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 phone, like all young people do. <laughs> <laughs> they get everything on their well, fingertips. I'm, well I'm rec- I'm
1: reclaiming the moral technology, it's what all oh. it's what revolutionaries across the world should be doing.
0: Ah yes. I have to <coughs> I'm on Twitter and Facebook so I can't complain. <laughs> yes.
1: So, in other news, Ben Cordes reports here, and Capital Strike brings renewable energy to its knees. And we're going to interview him in about yes, 10 minutes. Yes, we are. Yes, we yes. are. So, in Portugal. In Interesting. Uh, Australia's largest energy company has appeared to prefer to accept fines for not building renewable energy rather than build it and weaken their investments in coal and gas generation. Yep. So... Uh, <clears throat> The so when when the Abbott government passed the legislation to reduce the renewable energy target by about 20% in, in uh, 2015, some supporters of, re- of renewables hoped that uh, to an end to the policy, unser- on policy uncertainty would free up finance for investment. To get planned projects into, into the construction phase, fa- into a construction phase. That mm. did not happen. And the RET itself has kind of been a bit of a subject to a concerted campaign by the fossil fuel mafia over many years. Mm. So if we first bend the labor government in the, um, in the, in the, in the energy ministers, uh, Kind of, kind of. That's okay. Ben Ben Cor will talk about it yes, later. Yes, so yes, don't
0: yes, worry yes. about that. Let's, let's go on to any other news. There's plenty of news. that's... Um, yes, indeed, on indeed. indeed. Actually,
1: on the international, uh, s- on the international um, uh, s- scheme, the, in Turkey, in Turkey, Erdogan, Erdogan once again tries to silence dissent. Oh, God, when
0: did. When did. He didn't <laughs> curb dissent. Yes. Well. <laughs>
1: It's becoming, unfortunately, it's becoming more and more uh, violent. Almost a way.
0: habitual thing for him. Yes. On even International Women's Day, you know what he said? He said that uh, women should um, forget about economic freedom because it is more becoming and is much, much happier. We're be much happier staying home, looking after kids and cooking and cleaning and washing and all that stuff. I,
1: see I seem to remember a German someone leader. Someone should do something with this guy. Yes, yes. I seem to, I seem to recall a German leader a while ago who said almost exactly the same words. Yes,
3: yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, yeah. a, a, you know, well, that's ironic. Well, not ironic, but it's, it's, it's painfully... Um, Disturbing and, and, you know, we can try and laugh about it to to keep our spirits up. But the the key thing is at the moment what, um, Erdogan is doing is using the war in in uh, not war well the war the, ru- the war the, the, war, the, is war. the war
1: he's waging against the Kurds. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm thinking he's classifying the PKK as a terrorist organization, and he's blaming any atrocities that happen in Turkey on on PKK. It's like very opportunistic in the way he's using that war to attack the Kurds. Yes and that's a real concern and and the, the Kurds have been fighting for all 40 years for their land yes. which was divided into four a long time ago post ottoman empire and this guy just simply wants to grab land grab that's what he wants because the uh Kurds in northern syria actually control the oil fields there which they would dearly like to get their hands on so while syria is you know in in a state of flux he wants to Destroy the Kurdish forces to do to be able to grab their wealth, so to speak. Yes. But anyway, that's that's Turkey. Yes.
1: What well, some of the also also I think it's important to mention some of these some of the specific more specific ways that he's been uh, he's actually been doing uh, he's been waging waging the war in a different sort of the yep. the war on press freedom, I would say. Yes. So yes, the, he is. Uh, well, you know. Uh, this week, a uh, British academic was deported from the country with no trial, and also three, three more were arrested or accused of, of disseminating terrorist material. And, <coughs> sorry. No, Turkey was also, in 2015, Turkey was also ranked 149th out of 180 countries in terms of Press Freedom Index. There's also been a escalating, escalating, um, Attacks on the against social media hmm. within uh, inter, in Turkey. Um, hmm. So the um, you know Twitter, Twitter and, and YouTube were briefly banned in over uh, or in March 2014. Of course, it's always Facebook uh, and
0: Twitter the banned first, all the, the internet, isn't it? Completely.
1: Yes, 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 So and the, and the document and documents kind of been issued in the uh, uh throughout the Turkish government to. Uh, sorry, to ban the illicit cont- content specifically, that specifically forbids posts with the following, with the following, you know, attacks on the Turkish rep- Republic's founder, Mustafa Kemal, of maps of Kurdistan, burning of K- Turkish flags, and the PKK support, and Ocalan, Abdullah Ocalan related mm. content. So that's all the content that's, that basically cannot circulate within uh-huh. Turkish social media. Even though, even though, uh, the Turkish government has, doesn't, is not able to block it's not actually able to block service, the, the, the service uh, of of Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube in Turkey. Rather than what they do is that they, they they try their best to get to delete all the pages and all the all the groups. Oh, then, democratic! But <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but we have alternative press, I'm sure, over there yes, somewhere. We, <laughs> like we have 3ci here.
1: Yes. And just the last, just one of on the one yep. of on the. Uh, sure, um, I'll just
0: go and ring Ben. Well, when you finish, that's a good idea. There. That's
1: yep. a good idea. Yeah. Well, this is a, uh, for a bit of a mixed mixed news actually from the yep. United States. Oh yes. Um, Everybody's you know, talking Sheppard. about it. Yes, but we, we actually have a, we're in the Green Left we actually have a an article by Barry Shepherd. Yes. Uh, from uh, writing here, letter from the U.S. Republicans in disarray as Trump pushes racist violence amid protests. Yes, surprise, surprise. As I said, uh, uh, yeah, some mixed news there. Amid growing incidents of violence at rallies for Donald Trump and protesters confronting the Republican presidential frontrunner, the Republican Party's establishment has opened a campaign to try to deny Trump the, pre- the, part, the party's presidential nomination. In a broadside attack on Trump, the Republican candidate of 2012, Mitt Romney, launched a drive under the slogan Anyone but Trump <laughs> Very creative Isn't it? <laughs> he said a Trump presidency Would be a disaster for America Strongly implying that voters Should not support Trump in the general election If he wins the nomination You know it's actually it's, it's uh, You know as horrible As Trump is It is Really amusing to see to watch uh, watching the Republican Party's reaction to his astounding success in the in the primaries. I think we've seen um, and and this sort of this kind of attempt is you know uh, the Republican Party Party basically trying to bring in one of the richest, whitest possible men. The racist. uh, Yes, yes, Everything,
0: well. Everything, and Detroit, turn Detroit, all the other things. Yes, and, but
1: Mitt, Mitt Romney is kind of what personifies what the Republican Party wants to be seen as, That's you know. Right. White, good looking, right. rich, successful, not completely insane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is right. This is the true face of the Republicans.
1: Yeah, of the Republican Party, like the establishment. This is the face that they want to portray. And
0: they're terrified.
1: And they're terrified of Donald Trump because that's the real face. That's
0: that's exactly right. I'm glad you agree with me. I said, why doesn't someone talk about this? You know, I feel that that would be the best thing for America because it truly exposes what the Republican Party stands for. And the global (laughs) capitalists who live in America, they'll be exposed via Trump. They're terrified of being found out, really. That's what it is.
1: Yes, indeed, indeed. Oh. But uh, even, even though Mr. Mr. Romney said that said those very words, I think he, um, he also forgot to mention that Donald Trump endorsed his candidacy in 2012 oh, and, not, and contributed money to his campaign in 2012.
0: They all day in, in, in pocket with each other's hands. Now, we have Ben on the line. Ben, good morning, Ben. Good morning. Thank you so much for um, getting up so early in the morning. Introduce and now Ben Court is an a, a, a environmental activist. Uh Beckers Marsh, Ben, is that right?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's where he lives, and he's very, very active in lots and lots of um, campaigns. Now, Ben, you you um, wrote this article about capital strike. Now, tell us about it. There are things that you wrote in Green Left Weekly, but there are lots of issues that you were unable to write. You said so. Let's um, have a conversation about that.
2: Yeah, look, I worked for um, a couple of environmental organisations for several years following what's happening in renewable energy. Um, So I guess it was interesting that with all the ups and downs and pro and anti-renewable energy policies at a federal level, what's actually happening, in my opinion, is that the um, the big energy companies in Australia, you know, the the names that uh, a lot of us are familiar with, like... um, Origin and AGL or
0: of course, yes. some of the
2: ones less familiar with like GDF Suez, yep. these are the ones that often sell you your electricity. They also own the big power stations and they don't want competition with their investments is basically what's happening. So despite the fact that we have a policy that they have to get a certain percentage of their uh, energy from renewable energy when by 2020, they're... they're seem to be basically holding off on that because they should be building, you know, wind farms and solar farms and so on now to make that target and they're not doing it.
0: Mm. It's interesting when you say wind farm because uh, only yesterday there was the news that they have allocated, I think, $3.3 million to investigate the ill... In the ill effects of um, wind turbines, because one, one apparently one farmer complained that he was getting headaches and hearing problems and so on. What do, you, what do you think about that sort of move by the government?
2: Yeah, and at the same time they're cutting our actually ser- actual serious scientific research at CSIRO.
0: That's correct. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's, a,
2: it's a travesty. Yes. I mean, absolutely. This, this so-called wind turbine <coughs> syndrome is Made up for political reasons, uh, and there's you know a few people who are actually sick who have been sucked in and are blaming wind turbines when they should probably actually be going and finding out what's really wrong with them.
3: I know, <clears throat> but
0: nevertheless, the it's a fact a that really
2: sad story, really.
0: Mm. And the fact they're cutting back on health services doesn't help the the whole the whole scenario. The whole picture is not quite as clear as it should be because of the cutbacks, and that means people can't. Access the services they should. But let's let's go back to, yes. to, to the inside story of what's actually going on. So if 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 these companies are doing this, is there any way the government can uh, punish them or not? Well, at least take some measures
3: Sorry.
2: to to well, the way the system works. Yep. they have to buy a certain number of um, you know, megawatt hours of renewable energy each year so as you know as the the, the um, energy companies. And that's how the target gets met, met, that that amount they have to buy goes up to a certain set target by 2020. But, you know, as I said, they have to make sure that they get enough wind farms and so on built to meet that target. And if they don't meet it, they have to pay a fine. And it looks like the fine per megawatt hour is obviously not high enough. Of (laughs) Um, course. (laughs) uh, They, you know, they all have these big existing investments in coal power stations and so on. And there's been talk that Australia's got a massive overcapacity in our coal generation capacity. Mm, so mm. When you have overcapacity, obviously prices go down and people aren't doing very well. And this is probably because Australians started using less electricity every year about five years ago. Mm. Five years ago. And um, they,
0: there's a boom in household use of solar panels and so on, isn't there?
2: That, that's right, and you know that that hits them as well because even though it's not really under the same renewable energy target, those sort of small scale things mean that you know your sort of summer afternoon peak electricity use gets mm. slashed, and that's when they make their really big profits. Yeah, selling you know at peak rates.
0: Yeah, even even with aircons running, it simply means that the more heat you get, the people use aircon, but there's so much energy generated through the solar panels that they lose out on that excessive bills people used to yes. have to pay in the old days for using aircon full blast, isn't
2: it? So, so we've seen big heat waves which have actually, you know, I think 2013 had a heat wave that beat the one leading up to late Saturday, but the actual energy use <coughs> is
3: less. Yep
2: the peak energy use was less than that because of the amount of solar panels that had gone on roofs in the meantime, basically.
0: Yeah, which is very encouraging, despite the, the way the government's conducting this whole business, people are actually with their feet by doing what they're doing. But the problem is yeah, the... Sorry, go
2: on. Oh, yeah, you know, Australia really leads the world in um, solar panels. But if you look at what the big energy companies are doing, what, probably the best indicator is that the, um, the owners of Yang. One of our big coal power stations here um, are applying to have the power station upgraded that um, <laughs> they want to actually increase its capacity and they're, they're saying that they'll make it more efficient and therefore a little bit you know fractionally cleaner in the process but really what they I think what they're angling for is that probably soon Hazelwood or maybe your lawn, power station will close down because they're very old, they're very polluting. Mm. Um, but instead of renewable energy filling in, in shortfall, mm. as the, the, the policy suggests should happen, they they're basically just want their existing investments to do it on yep. the
0: cheap and then, and then what, uh, the other thing that is going the mix is um, the fact that Adani coal mine has been approved, uh, approved of in the north and I think there was another coal mine somewhere in, in central Australia, northern Australia they were, they were talking about uh, uh, <coughs> which uh, also has contributed to it and of course the other factor is the employment of our wonderful new scientist Dr. Finkel, who is actually pro-nuclear so how does all that you know uh,
2: well, the, the coal export prices um, don't directly affect. It's the, not usually the same companies exporting coal. That international price for coal is a factor, I suppose, particularly in New South Wales because they use black coal, which could be exported for their power stations. And uh, Victoria's brown coal is so cheap; it's dirty, but it's so cheap that they they really um, displace. they get the first sales in the electricity market before New South Wales, which is a bit perverse because New South Wales' black coal is noticeably less polluting at least in climate terms. Hmm. Um, In terms of nuclear, look, people have been talking about it for years. I think the South Australian government is talking about it now. A lot of the time it's a smokescreen just to make sure we our uranium mining industry Retain some sort of legitimacy. I don't think they're going to build a nuclear power station because where are they going to put it? And no one wants to be next to a nuclear power station, That's especially right. close to Fukushima. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but they, they'll dream. And nuclear power station is no competition with renewable. To build a large nuclear power station these days um, costs well. It'll usually it'll take at least twelve years, probably based on current build times in Europe. It'll cost double whatever you think it's going to cost.
0: (laughs) Um, Yes, that's right. always increases, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, whoops, another cost blowout. There we go. In that time, you know, it takes about two, two and a half years to build a solar thermal power station which can provide electricity around the clock. Now, they're smaller than nuclear power stations, but there's nothing to say you can't build several at once. Mm. Um, Wind farms, similar, you know, um, from first... uh, slice of the soil to having the thing up and running, it'll be a year or two
3: hmm.
2: um, why, why would you go for nuclear and, and you know they still haven't worked out what to do with all the toxic waste hmm. nuclear.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, it's, 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 it's an ongoing issue since the 80s isn't it, but let's go back to the capital strike then what is it that the community is doing and what is possible um, around this issue before we fin- finish the interview, if you can let people know how they can yes. support the campaign.
4: Well, look,
2: there are a lot of environmental organizations who've been pushing to keep the renewable energy um, sort of target met to stop it getting cut. I always thought with Friends of the Earth who have a campaign called Yes to Renewable to uh, are on that path. I guess one of the things we can do is get the state government to make up some shortfall In the renewable energy target the only wind farms that i think are getting built at the moment are getting built as a result of the australian capital territory government setting uh, their own renewable energy target separate and extra to the national one Mm -hmm. and so they're getting some wind farms built and that's great victoria's state government has announced they're going to come up with a renewable energy target but we don't know the figure yet we don't know if it's going to be a a really token thing or something that will actually put the pressure back on the federal government to keep going so you know I guess yeah look at what yes the renewables are doing friends of the earth um, pushing for that state renewable energy target that's probably the most practical thing we can support at right now.
0: Okay thank you so much Ben for waking up so early in the morning to be available on a public <laughs> holiday. <laughs> 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 we'll talk again as this this campaign um, get us momentum because this is going to
2: issue will stay around. It's been here for the last 10 years and hasn't changed much.
0: No, but things got to change. Otherwise, something drastic is going to happen. Uh, and right. we all know that. And uh, we'll keep moving on from this, um, you know, uh, step by step, I guess. We need to, we need to somehow counter this this horrible um, ca- measures taken by this, this capitalist government. Okay, thank you so much, Ben, right. and have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now Jacob has joined us. Unfortunately, public transport only started at 7:25 from where you live, Jacob. That is pathetic.
5: Yeah, it's um <laughs> it, well, it's interesting enough. Um, it was running on the Sunday timetable, but um, <laughs> six um the six a.m. did not run on the um on public holidays of all days. So yeah, yeah, the only train was like at 7:25 a.m. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Actually, before we started the program program this morning, Jacob, myself, and Lily uh, mentioned how. Ah, like, well, we are here. We are uh, people like us are here at the, at the studio today. Well, uh, most of us are resting or spending time with our families. It's also important to acknowledge the work that all uh, the work that all the workers and employees are, are going to be doing over the weekend. Well, yeah. Well, especially okay. public, um, especially public transport. Uh, especially workers. public transport. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, thankfully, pub- our transport, uh, public transport workers do have most of them do have good agreements that um, make sure they paid they paid uh, well. Yeah. and... Bit for the for our Arista but there are many who don't especially uh, well that's that's basically. sort
5: of kind of the reason why there was um before the implementation of twenty four hour public transport there was actually quite a lot of industrial action by yes. the railway course, yes. because you know Rightly so uh, it's like um because there, um because of one am to five a m shifts there'll be a lot of ghost shifts so yes, essentially yes. they'll there would probably be a justification for the government to pay them lower wages than what yes. they deserve because if not there weren't there wouldn't be as many cons- customers of those of those particular um, um, late night times. Well, we're talking about public transport. You know, you, we not we are, uh, it's, um, it, sh-
1: uh, it shouldn't even be considered the, the you know people who use public transport so should not be even even be considered as. Um,
5: as customers. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's, but that's because of the complicated sort of half-privatized and public system yes, indeed, that we exactly. have in um, Melbourne right now. Well, pretty much everywhere in Australia is like that, as far as from what I can understand. Absolutely. We should make it a public run and workers owned.
1: That's what we need.
0: Yeah. That's what I like to hear from young people. It's fantastic enthusiasm. <laughs> All right, guys. We've got Ken Kenning on the uh, phone. And Ken is the leading Senate candidate for Socialist Alliance for the Senate in New South Wales. So, good morning, Ken.
3: Yeah. Good, good morning, morning, Ken. How are you? Good morning, and uh, you.
0: we have Jacob and Dennis here with me. So, we will talk about what um, this is all about. So, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Ken. That will be a good start.
4: Yeah, um, I'm uh, a Murray Aboriginal person, from originally from Queensland. Uh, I come from the Bedgeroo people, southwest Queensland. I've lived down in New South Wales since 1979. And uh, worked a lot in tertiary education, uh, mainly in tertiary education. Presently, I'm working with those uh, uh, coming out of jail. But um, yeah, I'm 63. Been involved in activism since my teens, and still at it. And decided to uh, take this on as another me- another means of uh, activism as well. Yeah. Mm.
5: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, as a long-time term activist, Uncle Ken, um, what is sort of like, because this is basically would be your first time running in, um, in a, you know, fed, a Senate election, and what was kind of like your main motivation for running with social well, science?
4: Well, I've talked to a lot of other members up home, of course, here. Um, you know, there's the duopoly happening in Canberra, and, it, you know, we can sit around and moan about it all we like, but unless we start trying to take steps to uh, bust that duopoly, um, we're not going to do anything. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a, a good chance to, to get in there and try and uh, have some, something in the decision-making process that's uh, you know, virtually against what, what's happening now, which is crazy. What's happening in this country now is... We may as well have another coalition. It may as well be the LLNP, Liberal, uh, Labor National Party. We've got two identical parties to choose from at an election and they're having to the say. We need to get a, a strong voice and I think the voice will come through, should come through the Senate and I'm trying to help, I, I hope other people be influenced by this to, at elections to, uh, be that other voice in the Senate. I looked at the last election and there, uh, There were minor parties who got in because of the dysfunctionalism of uh, Liberal and Labor parties. Uh, Unfortunately, they were the more conservative side. I think the the left need to take advantage of people's disgruntled attitude towards the two majors and jump in there. And I think the times right now, the federal Greens have just jumped into bed with the Liberal Party. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's their death. Now, that's what happened to the Democrats many years ago. They yes. jumped into bed with the lids and bang, nobody knows who they are now. So Dean is is taking his party on the road to hell, uh, <laughs> and I think you know. We, 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 once, once he did that, I thought I, I might even have a chance here because
3: yeah. <laughs> there's a
4: lot of greens voters aren't going aren't gonna to swing for uh, the federal greens. Well. State Greens in New South Wales are doing a fantastic job. Mm, I, they are. Yes. I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, and I, I believe in other states are doing a fantastic job, but I'm afraid the federal Greens leave a lot to be desired. I've mm. said this time and time again. If they want to be another political party that are different to the two and set themselves as, as to being different, act. Start acting it on a federal level. They're not doing it, so that's to our to the smaller party's advantage. Hmm. I'll pick up what they'd say
5: they'd lost quite easily, thanks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, uh, I think, yeah, we've, you mentioned the Democrats, and the Democrats historically, the reason why they went in decline was because they voted with the Liberal government to um, implement the GST. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, a question I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I read your article actually this morning in the Green Left Weekly, and one of the sort of things you... Um, this week's Left Weekly, um, you wrote about the importance of building um, broad and strong and powerful people-powered um, movements. And um, I kind of want to ask, you know, how does your, like, election campaign relate to that?
4: Well, what I'm looking at is a people's movement. This is, uh, this is um, one step further to what we've been doing on the streets, is that, you know, with First Nations people's rallies, we've been engaging with uh, all other communities and engaging in a a very powerful way. So people have been coming into our marches, um, not taking over our marches, but coming in. And what what, what I'm saying to people, look, if you can be part of the struggle to to stop the oppression and the murder and the the killing to uh, First Nations people, you can be part of the same, same, uh, breaking the same system that is oppressing every, every group of people in this country. So I'm, I'm telling people the only way to stop this government is, you know, is to build a strong people's movement. Yeah, it's a it's under Socialist Alliance and that is a political party. But uh, you know, I'm talking more away from the uh, political party thing to this belonging to the people, people getting right behind uh, certain people to get in and have a voice, uh, and other people then coming and following and doing the same thing the only way you're gonna stop these is if people get up and have a say and really get stuck into these two uh, major governments so, you know we, we can't do it we can't do it just isolated but uh, I've noticed you know, governments are very good particularly the Liberal government Labor's just as good at it, you know, keeping people divided. They don't want you know, they don't want our mob talking to white fellows except maybe poor white fellows, they don't want us engaging with other disenfranchised white fellows. They don't want us uh Engaging with asylum seekers, refugees, um, other ethnic groups. They don't want us engaging. They don't want us engaging with Muslim groups. But we're, we're doing that. We're doing that. And so it's, uh, it's against the, against the odds of what the governments want. They want, you know, divide and conquer. Now yeah. I'm, I'm trying to tell people out on the streets, if we stand together and break the yoke of oppression that's keeping Aboriginal people down in this country, everybody gains. The first thing we can gain is we can't call ourselves a nation while we've got the highest deaths in custody rate in the country, the highest incarceration rates of Indigenous peoples in the whole world. We can't call ourselves a country when we're still removing Aboriginal peoples off their land. We can't look at the world in the face and say, look at us, we're we're a great country. We're not. We're a, a racist backwater. And until we fix all these issues up, that's all we'll ever be And I think people the citizens of the country need to realise that we have to stop, stop the government's oppression of First Nations. We were the first people hit. We've been fighting this battle for 228 years. I'm saying that people, as a people's movement, get behind us because once that is smashed and that colonial mentality is smashed, every single person in this country stands to benefit.
0: Mm. Ken, one of the questions that, that I want to pose, but without offending anybody as such, is um, how do you think you'd be able to work with the other Aboriginal senators who are already in in government at the moment, like, you know, in the Northern Territory and so on?
4: Well, you know, people who are elected, uh, I think uh, there'll be no problems with that. I might have a bit of difficulty with people who are just being given, uh, at the moment, uh, the Labor Party seems to be handing out Senate seats like lollies <laughs> um, to people who are particularly pro-, pro recognition. And when, you know, the polling, uh, we, we do polling online, and every poll we've had has said in excess of 80% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are against recognition. But if you bow and curtsy the right way, short and little, um, yeah, he'll give you a, a seat. No, I don't want anything to do with that sort of tokenism. I don't want anything to do with it. If I get there, I'll be voted by, by people, and a great lot of those people naturally will be my own people, will we'll be in the voting process. If I don't get there, at least somebody would have voted for me. I, I wouldn't have been somebody that Bill Short looked at and liked the look of, uh, loved the sound of and agreed with. Now, I don't want to sit in, I don't want to get into bed with who I consider the enemy. And I'm I'm very I'm very blatant on this. The Liberal Party, uh, National Party and the Labor Party are the enemy. Their policies are genocidal by nature. Their policies are causing the deaths of Aboriginal people. If you were to take this to the World Court, you could have charges, uh, war crime charges brought against these people. I call this institutionalised murder that's happening. Now, we We've got people who are being handpicked and they want to sit in, sit in company with these people. I don't want anything to do with that. But there may be a difficult, difficult, if people are elected, uh, it, go, it goes through the election process, that's, that's fine. We may have some differences, but we can work with them. But I can't see myself working too closely. Uh, yeah, there will be a relationship, but I can't see, uh, me working too closely with somebody who just simply accept a seat uh, because the government uh, likes the look of them.
5: Yeah, so um, for, the, for like the benefit of the, um, the audience here, because I know you've spoken a lot about this previously and you just mentioned it before, but what do you think is sort of like the biggest sort of issues like with constitutional recognition and, you know, what, are, what is like a proposed alternative to constitutional re- um, um, recognition from your perspective?
4: Well, the proposed alternative, uh, immediately mean, is self-determination and sovereignty. Self-governance. You know, self-governance. You know, we, we can build towards self-governance, like uh, the Saudi people in Finland, separate parliament governing their own peoples. Uh, you know, the, without uh, we could draw away from government funding. We could force an agenda. This may be difficult, but to get major companies to pay Sorry. money uh, for money Sorry. The, they've made out of uh, operating on our land. But recognition in itself, I I, I uh, describe recognition as this. Recognition is the uh, pretty red carpet you roll out on ceremonial occasions to cover all the bloodstains on the steps. That's what recognition is. It's a pure distraction. Now, non-Aboriginal Australia have been blasted with recognition. That there's it, there's, so, there's so much suspicious about this. You have to wonder... Uh, why so much money has been poured into constitutional recognition but a group of us here in Sydney actually did apply for funding, we did ask uh, through an emissary of the government for funding to uh, have the dissenting voice, we were told no we wouldn't be getting anything so the, the debate is one sided, the debate is very much one sided and the pro-recognition can say uh, how much they like that you know, they're having out in forums, I was at a forum and one gentleman suggested, well, we have open forums all over the country. And I said, well, I'm on a disability pension Yeah, Sometimes I can't even afford to go into the city. So how am I going to go to your open forums? That cuts a lot of us out, doesn't it? So, you know, yeah. it's a one-sided thing. I and mean, if you look at the, the people who are um, corporate sponsors, uh, Transfield Services, the tortures in Nauru, I think they've only just managed to drop them because uh, we exposed it and they're embarrassed about it. Rio Tinto, banking concerns, other mining companies, why are multinationals so concerned with constitutional recognition when the same people are behind the push to remove Aboriginal peoples off the land so they can mine it?
3: Mm.
4: Now, the only sane answer there is they know something the rest of us don't know because they've got their politician friends on speed dial. They know once we're assimilated into the constitution, we'll lose all sovereign rights and our lands are open, slap it without any, uh, any obstacle in their way. And this is why, they're, they're, in my opinion, this is why they're funding it. The other, my, my, that, that, that could be a legal argument. The moral argument is, at present, uh, since the apology, we've had a 400% increase of children being stolen.
3: That's right.
4: Now, why, why on earth would we even bother talking about something in a white man's document that we had nothing, nothing to do with the initial process of it. Why are we bothering with that when we've got that? Our suicide uh, rate has increased since the intervention by 500%. Mm. We've overtaken African-Americans as the most incarcerated people in the world. We overtook them last year, plus as the most uh, people who are vulnerable to death and custody. Why, Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this on the back of... Just yesterday, the Miss Jew, uh, the cro- uh, coroner inquiry into Miss Jew, and um, I was in contact with her uncle. The coroner ruled that uh, an important bit of uh, CCTV evidence could, could not be brought in to the, um as evidence because it couldn't be made public because it was too disturbing for the family. The family wants it there because this is the, this is the evidence that Ch- will show that she was killed. <laughs> yes. So we're gonna, we we're going to spend all our biggies on running around trying to get recognised in something. I don't need that constitutional recognition. Um, I can look in the mirror. I know who I am. I know my traditional background. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't need any of that rubbish. I need justice in this country. I need self-governance and self-determination and sovereignty in this country, not not some bit of document that's not going to really do anything for us.
0: Yes, in the end, it's white man's law, isn't it, Ken?
4: Of course, it is. You got, people have got a serious look. The, re, the pro recognitionists have got a serious look at the mentality, of the, the colonial mentality. Now, 228 years they've declared war, and as that war is ongoing, they have mm. taken everything off us. Now, that's you, right. you're not going to—they're not going to 228 years all of a sudden, via this nice little piece of paper, give you restitution.
3: <laughs> that's right.
4: <laughs> they're not going to do it. That's—that's that's not what like colonial and imperialism and. Capitalism is about it's about take take take. That's right. Not give you anything back. That's right. Uh, I, I just don't. I can't see why people can't get that point. know, and, uh, and the the, the two uh, the two Aboriginal people are taking up uh, uh, Bill um, Shorten's gracious offer. Isn't it coincidental? Clap clap clap. They're pro recognition. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you, get, you get a Charlie chuckle badge for being a good fellow. <laughs>
3: well,
0: but, um, I have been dying to ask you this question Ken why socialists why are you standing as a socialist
4: well you know I've, I've always been uh, more left in my politics but you know my politics have always been left wing and um, it just it just was a natural progression if I was going to uh, I didn't want to go as independent I can't afford it but I'd always been affiliated with the Socialist Alliance in our rallies here in Sydney. Um, they've been very supportive of us. Without What I like about Socialist Alliances, well, they were always very supportive without trying to be dictatorial, which some other non-Aboriginal organisations in the past have done. But if you look historically, the left wing, the old Communist Party, for instance, uh, in the 1938 day at morning were very supportive. They were very supportive of raising funds, the same as social rights, as for some of our activists, uh, uh, activism here in Sydney when we've had to bring people from interstate, they've been raising the funds for us without no strings attached, so they've just been there. And uh, I thought, when it was put to me, uh, again, I talked to a lot of uh, close friends that I've known for a long time, and they said, yeah, this is a, this is a chant and this is, a, this is the party that'll, you know, uh, they're in a position with your your politics the way you think. And I you know, I'm definitely I'd be far from right wing. If I was any further left I'd fall over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean sometimes I think the left is uh, in my opinion I I see the left sometimes even as a little bit conservative but that's I with but there's no way I could go I, I could go into conservative politics quite simply you gotta look at this way. Look what conservative politics is doing to Australia now. Now, we, we read in the newspaper the other day, 98 uh, top cor- corporate companies in Australia do not pay tax. Mm. 98. Now, there's billions and billions of dollars. Will the government do nothing about it? No, they won't do anything about of it. Of course not. Now, if I don't pay tax, not only do I have to uh, pay my back taxes, I get fined on top of it, or a possibility of going to prison, Now these corporate bodies will just walk away from it. So, you know... Look at New South Wales now. What's happening in New South Wales? We've got this is the right conservative government who's you know just a hair breath away from fascism. Um, anti-protest laws coming around now. It starts off with you can't go on mining lands. Let's protect the poor miners from you know Aboriginal people and non-Aboriginal people who are disenfranchised by their mining activity. Let let's protect the poor miners who who've been protected all the time against these. Vicious thugs that are running around. I haven't seen any miners kidnapped or ransom <laughs> yet, so I don't know what the government's on about. Now it's onto the street, they can break up any assembly at any given time, they can stop a march before it. So this will be aimed at Aboriginal people, you can mark your words here in Sydney. We, if we put it in S1, we'll be rejected. Um, now, at the same time, the very same party, the Electoral Commission has withheld $4.4 million because the money could be deemed to be uh, come from inappropriate sources or crooked money, held money laundering within the Liberal National Party in New South Wales. So you've got a bunch of criminals uh, sitting in Parliament making decisions that uh, oppress people even further while they, they, they engage in criminal activity. You've got Mike Baird, who uh, had secret meetings, in re- had secret meetings in recent weeks with a gentleman who was found that by the 2011. Uh, ICAC uh, commission uh, hearings to be totally corrupt, mm. and who had links with uh, Saudi Arabia, where and uh, Dubai, where our electricity was sold off for billions of dollars. Baird has a secret meeting with a, a, a gentleman that's facing corruption charges.
3: Mm.
4: Now he's meeting with he's meeting with criminals, but he won't meet with his constituents to say why his laws. Are, are, are an oppressive regime to protect the rich. He won't meet with people on the street. He will have meetings with that, and he will take donations. And, and federal part, you know, via Arthur Sindeus, they're involved in this. You know, they're all they're all in this. scheme. he's been implicated in it. So it goes to the federal level. There's money that's dirty money sitting around that can't be released because it's shown to be filthy money. They're engaging in what can be seen as criminal activity and they're making decisions on our behalf. No, this has to stop. This has to stop.
0: And on that note, Ken, um, Time running out. Thank you so much for being available to 3CR and let's wish you the very best of luck in these um, elections, whether it happens in July or in September. And we'll talk again as your campaign Thank progresses. You much. Thank you Thank so you. much, Ken. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Have a good you. day,
4: everybody. You no too. Good. It is a people's movement. Yeah, Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Yes. absolutely. Well, said.
4: <laughs> well said. Well said. Bye-bye
0: now. Bye. Yeah. Okay, fellas, time to wrap up the show. Now, announcements.
5: All right, so um, Greenleaf Weekly will be doing a number of events. um, On um, April um, the 14th, um, Thursday, um, we'll be doing a fundraising screening um, at the Cinema Nova of Michael Moore's latest film, Where to Invade Next. Um, The exact session time is... Going to be advised by 12 p.m. Um, 12 um, 8, 12th of April, but we're aiming at least for a 6:30 p.m. game. Um, bookings are essential as it's probably the only, um, and um, the booking link is trybooking.com/kwzu. Um, in May, um, oh, um, they
0: can also ring. There's a phone number there
5: to ring. Oh yeah, there's also a phone number you could ring here, which um, 96398622. And um on May we'll be doing a May forum um titled 30 Years May Since May Day, Labor, labor day. <laughs> day. Labor <laughs> Day, Labor <laughs> Day. Thirty days since the nurses' strike. Thirty um, years. 30? Yes. Thirty. Yes. you, you said days. Thirty years. Thirty years. Sorry, thirty years <laughs> since the nurse strike. I haven't got much sleep. Thirty years since I um our, and we'll have um our Irene Bolger, Bolger. Bolger. Bolger, who's the state secretary of the Australian who Nursing. Was, Fe- who was? Who was? Who was? She was the Australian Nursing Federation's state secretary during um this um the nurse strike and our very own Lali. Um, what's the, how do you pronounce your last name?
0: Lalita Chalaya, and I was the, um, an organiser during the time. We also have um, <clears throat> Gwyneth Evans, which we haven't actually put on the leaflet yet, who was the health and safety officer mm. at the time as well. So we are holding a forum to look at, the, the you know the capture the spirit of that strike and the relevance of today what we learn and how is that how do you apply those things and, and compare and contrast the period and the, the way trade unions have been uh, quieted or put in straight these days but look at the spirit that was generated at that time so it will be an interesting um, uh, event. It's going to be held at the Multicultural Hub which is on, on Elizabeth Street um, if you look at the early, it, it's got a different venue, but the final venue is at the Multicultural mm-hmm. Hub. And it will be held on the, th- on the 3rd of May. It's a Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Now, <coughs> there's another rally, Racism, Stop Racism, Rally. We have a little detail of it.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, I, 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 read, I read them out during the uh, sort of earlier yeah. show. So just to remind us, the, the anti-fascist, uh, anti-Islamophobia rally is happening in Uh, In in Melbourne at Federation Square on Sunday, 3rd of April at 2 p.m., organized by Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. So come along to to stop any neo-Nazis trying to claim Federation Square for themselves.
0: Okay. On that note, fellas, let's wrap up the show. Dennis, thank you so much for the report back on... um Latin America, and that is always a bubbling issue. It never ends, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. And Jacob, big effort to get here by public transport at such or a late an Easter. time. I was going to pick no you mean. up, but, you know, it was just too late. Yeah. And let's thank Ben Cortes, who's a very active environmental, uh, environmentalist from Backus Marsh, and, um, always, always available to talk about the environment and climate uh, um, stuff. And of course, Ken Canning, who is the, New South Wales lead candidate for Social Alliance in the coming elections. So let us say goodbye to our listeners from?
3: Dennis, Jacob
0: and Lali. And let's put on some music. And the next show coming up is Beyond Zero Emissions.